episode 35 of the Online Chicken School podcast. On today's show, it's all about the eggs. It's time for the Online Chicken School podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hi, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. Doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city. This is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. So to start off the show today, I want to talk a little bit about the weather. Mm, Exciting. You may think that just because we live in Florida, we don't have any idea what you're going through up north in the wintertime. Well, they're probably right. (laughs) But that doesn't mean we don't have to stay on our toes when it comes to sudden cold snaps. Uh, I guess you guys are all used to it up in the great white north where it's just cold all the time. Uh, But Wednesday of last week, it was 80 degrees during the day. And then I got a weather alert text, I don't know, like late in the afternoon or early evening, that all of a sudden that night it's going to be around 30 degrees, which is very odd. Right. You hear that noise out there? What noise? It's all our northern listeners saying, wah. (laughs) I thought you were going to say you could hear little violins playing for our little sob story. Right. Well, that evening when we got home, we raced around uh, even after dark, since it doesn't take too long to get dark anymore, lowering the shutters and Don added a windbreak to one of the chicken tractors. But that was quite a eventful night. Yeah, I'm out there with the staple gun and boxes, breaking them down into pieces of cardboard and (laughs) stapling them all over the place. And strategic little places in the pitch black with no light except for the light off the golf cart. (laughs) And uh, the only thing that would have made it worse is if I was doing that standing in snow. Yeah. Or rain. Or rain. Yeah, that's that's worse. (laughs) I don't think I even helped you that night. No, you definitely didn't. So when I said like... But it's not because you weren't helpful. You you had other things you were doing. Yeah. But when I said we got home and uh, scrambled around, that really wasn't accurate, I guess. (laughs) I'll give you a pass. Thank you. And we're just saying this as a reminder to be aware of the ever-changing weather during winter and uh, to be prepared and be vigilant. Speaking of being vigilant, Uh Susie had a little run-in with George, who's our (sighs) barred rock rooster. Yes, I did. We've raised George since he was just a little baby chick. And he was so cute back then. Yeah. And Susie used to handle him all the time. But then life got a little busy and Susie stopped handling him for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seemed to fall right in that critical time when his hormones started kicking in. And then when she went back to try to handle him, he wasn't so friendly anymore. <laughs> in fact, he'd become quite aggressive. Well, let me tell you the story. Don was not home for this. Uh, this was after work and I got home first that day. And I had let Lieutenant So, which our gold lace wind up rooster, and his two girlfriends, our dot rock hens, I let them out uh, to just run around. And they always run straight up for the garage now and drink out of 
the dog's water dish and just hang out close to the house. I think they're waiting for someone to come out and give them treats. Right. Uh, so they were up by the house. I was collecting the rest of the eggs. And in George's coop, he's got two hens with him. And only one uses the nesting box. I don't know why she can't teach the other one. But one uses the nesting box. The other one just uses the ground. <laughs> yeah. And she just lays her eggs in a corner inside the coop very close to the door. I open up the door, I reach my arm in to the coop to grab the egg, and all of a sudden, George comes flying out of the coop, and he nailed me on the leg, and boy, I'll tell you, that hurt, and it was quite a surprise. I bet. <laughs> so I jumped back, and I remember, I hear Don's voice in my head, don't ever back down against a rooster. And no matter how many times you see it, it gets your blood going when you've got one of those things fluffing up at you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he kept coming at me. So uh, Don's voice rang in my head. Don't back down against a rooster because then he'll know he won. So I kept kind of walking forward. And every time he would jump up into the air to slam me with his feet, I would use my foot to block him um, and keep him as much a distance away from me as I could. Which is my favorite maneuver because <laughs> if the rooster's going to go crazy, you want it as kind of far away from your face as you can. Mm -hmm. You don't want it near your face when mm -hmm. he's going nuts. So you can extend your leg out there and use your leg to just sort of block his body. Yeah. And of course you got a shoe on so there's no bare skin there like with mm -hmm. your hands and arms. Unfortunately, every time you do this, like as soon as you make any gentle contact with the rooster, they tend to jump right up in the air. Yes. When you're standing on the side looking at it, it always looks like you're kicking them straight up in the air. I know, I know. I'm always nervous. Like every time I block with my foot, it's like the little old lady down the street's going to be driving home going, I can't believe he's kicking that rooster all over the yard. <laughs> well, and cars were driving by because this was like right after work. So the, the traffic was unbelievable. I was waiting for people to actually just pull over to the side and watch this because it was so comical. <laughs> so anyway, the dogs were still nowhere to be found. And I am standing here with my full focus and attention on George. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this big fat brown waddling thing running across the yard. And I look and it is Lieutenant So hauling butt right at me. He runs right in front of me, turns, faces George and jumps on him. Wow. It was awesome. <laughs> now, I'm still a little concerned about the lieutenant, but he's got a size uh, advantage on George. That's for sure. So now people driving by don't see you <laughs> kicking a rooster around the yard. What they see you is cheering on fully sanctioned cockfighting. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. I really, <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. But I'm telling you, the lieutenant spanked George and he did it a couple times. So George goes running away. The lieutenant looks at me like, you're welcome, and then runs up back by the house by his hands. <laughs> My job here is done. <laughs> yes, you're welcome, ma'am. I will expect treats later. Back to the so cave. <laughs> well, when George sees that the lieutenant is gone, this starts all over again. I mean, he got his second wind, his couple seconds of rest. So we go at this all over again, and I'm thinking, how long is this going to last? And the lieutenant comes running back over and kicks his butt again. And after that second butt kicking, uh, George had no problem running right back into his coop. <laughs> wow. A very long story, but this went on for like 10 minutes. 
Well, on one hand, I say I wish I could have been there, but if I was there, I would have jumped in and then the lieutenant would have had to. So I guess you never would have known that the lieutenant's got your back. I guess not. I have just never heard of this kind of behavior where a rooster comes to defend Mm -hmm. his flock keeper from another rooster. So two different times he came and put himself between you and George. Yep, he sure did. That's amazing. I think so. I think this deserves some kind of reward. For me? No, for Lieutenant So. Oh, okay. Go ahead. What do you think you're going to give him? I think the Lieutenant deserves a promotion. Oh. To Captain So. Wow. (laughs) I like that idea. Now we can call him the Captain. Well, I got to tell you, after this whole incident happened and I was able to calm down, I think it was like the next day, I go up to Don and I says, you know what we need to do? He says, what? He said, we need to get this kind of thing on video. And he looked at me very strangely. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't enough that now you've got half the neighborhood think you're training birds for cockfighting. <laughs> now you want to put it on video and put it on the internet that it looks like we're training birds for cockfighting. I don't know, but I don't think people really realize what a rooster attack looks like. And for me, if I had children, I kind of want to know how traumatic it could get for them. But I also have a very morbid curiosity. So we may try and instigate an attack. But we won't. (laughs) We're not going to do that. All right. So after the white hot, red knuckled, edge of your seat storytelling (laughs) that that was, let's take a quick look at the news. In the last episode, we told you about bird flu being found in a flock in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Now they found it in a flock near Benton City, Washington, not too far away. Before we get too far in this story... All of the bird flu news that we've been getting has been from our listener, Gino. Good listener. Yes, very good. And I think we're going to have to make him like our official bird flu correspondent. (laughs) Well, he is in Washington state himself. So he's right there at ground zero of the bird flu in the U.S. Now, he's pretty close to where they found it, isn't he? Uh, If I remember right, I think he's pretty close. I Googled it when uh, he sent the article and I think he's about an hour or so away from Benton City. Uh, where this new outbreak is. So I I believe he's pretty close. Man, Gino, I think it's about time you bring your chickens inside. Right. (laughs) Like we said way back in December when we addressed it the first time, you're going to have to find uh, neighbors and relatives to start parking all your chickens with. Yeah, definitely. Until this thing gets under control. Maybe you have a bathroom that you could convert into a chicken coop inside. Well, definitely, because you got usually the shower there so you could spray down the room. You'll need to do that a couple times a day. At least. (laughs) Make sure that drain's working pretty Mm -hmm. good. Okay, well, just like the outbreak in Oregon, they're attributing this one to the birds having access to a pond that was used by migratory birds as a truck stop. Mm. So again, the best thing you can do right now is do whatever you can to minimize contact between your flock and any wild birds out there. The good news is that this bird flu strain cannot be passed to humans, so you don't have to worry about catching it yourself. Um, and they're saying that it's perfectly safe to eat the eggs and the meat from the chickens that actually have this strain. The sad news is it's going to cause probably a lot of flocks to be eliminated to try and stamp this outbreak out. Well, hopefully they manage to get a handle on it pretty quickly and knock it down before it spreads too far. Definitely. Okay, one note of housekeeping. In episode 33, I talked about how to make your own mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we decided to create a sort of visual set of instructions, a visual recipe, and added it to our Facebook page, our new Google Plus page, and our new Pinterest page. 
And if you want to find links to all these things, go to our homepage, onlinechickenschool.com, and you'll find links to all our social media over there. You can also find the graphic in the show notes for episode 33 at onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 33. you asked for it, here it is. Okay, we received a message from Owen, and he says, any recommendations for buying a coupe online? I plan on buying the first one and then making any future ones myself after my carpentry skills get better. Looking for one that could hold four to six Jersey girls. (laughs) He's talking about Jersey Giants. Yes. Owen says that he got his wife to start binge listening to our show as well. So hello, Naomi, and uh, thanks for being a new listener. Hello, Naomi. We'll try not to let you down. Okay, I have a simple recommendation for buying a chicken coop online. Okay, and what's that? Don't. (laughs) That's not very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is, because you have no idea how much money I just saved you. Mm, That's true. When we started looking at getting chickens... The first thing I wanted to do was go buy a chicken coop online. That's right. Because if you look around, they have some really, really nice ones. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the really, really nice ones cost about as much as your house. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you have to have a quarters for you to move in because you're going to have to sell your house in order to afford the chicken coop. (laughs) They're quite expensive. They are very expensive. And I tried every which way I could to come up with a way to explain to Susie how we needed $3,000 $3,000 for something to house $15 worth of chickens in. Mm, yeah, didn't didn't go very well. I couldn't figure out how to make that fly. Well, and another problem was that we couldn't find one that really met the requirements that you had. They were really expensive, but they really didn't even have all the features. You're right. I couldn't find any that I liked 100%, you know, mm-hmm. because I'd like that one maybe 80%, but it didn't have this feature that I liked or like this one, but I didn't like the way the nesting boxes worked or like this one, but I didn't like the door on it. Mm -hmm. Let's just say I had a hard time finding one that at the end of the day, if I had to write a check for like $3,000 for, I'd be pretty excited that it was showing up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Now that doesn't mean you can't find ones that are not as expensive, but the problem is those are typically pretty much garbage. Yeah. Yeah. We actually saw one at a local farm store and it was made really cheap. I mean, I don't think it would have really lasted even the season. Well, and it wasn't even made for chickens, really. True. It was made for rabbits, but then they, this big chicken craze started, so they says rabbit or chicken hutch. Yeah. You know, they were at the, the rabbit hutch factory, and they says, uh, hey, we need to get on this chicken craze. What can we do? Let's just slap a new label on the rabbit hutch and say it holds four chickens. That's true. And it was so small. Yeah. Tiny. And not very well built, either. Right. And expensive, as well. So, the problem is... Uh, If you find one that you say, hey, I can reasonably afford that, meaning it costs only twice as much as it would cost you to build it yourself, Mm -hmm. then it's probably a piece of garbage. (laughs) And if you find one that's built well, that'll last you a while, then it costs an arm and a leg. So I just couldn't bring myself to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. And I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build it myself. And I was quite scared about that because uh, I think we've mentioned it in previous podcasts. Don had never built anything In his entire life. Not anything. No. Not even like a little shop class, birdhouse, nothing. I got an A in shop class (laughs) just by the instructor saying, tell you what, go sit over there and don't chop off any of your fingers or anybody (laughs) else's fingers. I'll give you an A if you just go sit over there. That's right. Oh, and you had mentioned that you were going to make your next chicken coop once your carpentry skills got better. But Don is living proof that you really need zero carpentry skills. 
Because first of all, it's a chicken coop. <laughs> it's not a bureau that you're going to put in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's not a fancy chest of drawers. That's what a bureau is. It's not a dresser. And you didn't have any tools to build things with. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I basically had uh, a hammer that we brought over from the condo and probably three screwdrivers. And a tape measure. And a tape measure that never retracted. And I think you had a handsaw. That was it. But what I did have when we moved in here was a workshop mm-hmm. to start putting new tools in after we went garage sailing. Yes, it was completely empty. And then uh, how did it take? Like two months? And it was full of tools. Yeah. It's not nearly as difficult as you think. As a matter of fact, I started with an eight by eight tractor that was two levels <laughs> and had retractable landing gear to pick it up off the ground and move it. Yeah, you it sure was, did. It was quite a project. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're really nervous about building your own coop, um, or if you're the spouse of someone that's going to be building <laughs> their own coop and you're nervous. What are you trying to say? <laughs> do what I did. Encourage him in a loving way to invite over a friend that has more skill than he does. And in our case, we invited over Don's dad. Because up in Syracuse, he actually built the first house that Don lived in. Now, he was an accountant, but in the evenings, he turned into a carpenter. (laughs) So he had a lot of the skills required, uh, albeit he hasn't used them for decades, but uh, he was very, very, very helpful in saying, you know, maybe you should do it this way instead of that way. And that's invaluable. One other thing you got going for you, Owen, you're from Syracuse. Trust Mm. me, you can do it. That's right. Okay, now let's say you totally ignore everything we just said. And you insist that, nope, I want to buy a coupe online. I have so much extra money. (laughs) I just need to get rid of it somehow. (laughs) Yes. Okay. If you're going to go that route, then here's a couple tips to help you go that route. The first rule of thumb is that no matter what the company says the capacity is, it's not going to be true for standard size chickens. Especially Jersey Giants. Yes. Which are freakishly large. So you want to take whatever the occupancy number they say is and divide it in half for a standard full-size chicken. And I would say divide it in half and then subtract one for your Jersey Giants. Yeah. When they give you an occupancy number, they mean for bantam chickens. Now, they don't tell you they mean for bantam chickens, but that almost always works out. And if you don't believe me, just do the math. Mm -hmm. Take whatever they say the coop square footage is. Multiply the length times the width, divide it by four, and that's how many chickens you can house in the coop. Then take the run, multiply the length times the width, then divide that by 10, and that's how many the run can hold. So you get an idea. And they might not be the exact same number. You might say the coop might hold five chickens and the run is really ideal for four. So kind of take the lower of the two numbers, and that's how many full-size chickens it can actually house. And see if that isn't half the number that they advertise. Right. And if you didn't do this and you order that coop and it gets delivered, you're going to be shocked at how small it is. So do the math ahead of time. Okay. So you said you wanted four to six Jersey Giants. Forget their Jersey Giants. Even for a regular size chicken, you need to make sure at four, you have at least 16 square feet of space in the coop and 40 square feet of space in the run. 
On the six chicken side, you need 24 square feet in the coop and 60 square feet in the run. So that's quite a bit of space. And you want a little bit more than that because you want Jersey Giants. That's right. Now, the second rule of thumb is a simple one. Make sure when you're reading the specs of the coop that they're not using chicken wire. Make sure they use hardware cloth. Yeah, the only thing chicken wire keeps in is chickens. Yes. Everything and- else that likes to eat chicken can go right through it like butter. <laughs> yes, and you don't want to spend all that money and then lose all your chickens. And the next thing is make sure you do research and read reviews, but don't read the reviews on their website. Type in the company name and reviews into Google and find an independent source. The important thing is you want to find out what their reputation is, not only for their build quality, but also how are they with customer service? What if there's a problem? What if you have questions? Let's say you have to assemble the thing and you break a piece. How easy is it going to be to get a replacement for that piece? And are Mm -hmm. they going to give you a hassle about that? You want to know that ahead of time. Definitely. So those are just a couple tips that if you're going to buy a coupe online that you want to consider, uh, we would still, though, recommend that you look for free plans online and then come up with your own version. I'm telling you, if Don can do it, you can too. Hey, I've built nine coupes and I still have all my fingers and toes. Yeah, but didn't you lose a toenail and... You sure got a lot of splinters. Okay, I want to point out that we've had some very nice comments this week. That's right. Julie left us a message on Facebook and said, you have a wonderful podcast and I've enjoyed every minute. Well, thank you, Julie, for the nice words. We're glad you like the show and we're really happy you're listening. Thanks, Julie. I also have to mention our good listener, David in Pennsylvania. He wrote the longest and funniest iTunes (laughs) review for our show. Yeah, I was actually out and you called me when I was out. You couldn't even wait till I got home and you told me you've got to listen to this review and you read it to me over the phone and it was great. Yeah, we were both cracking up reading your awesome review, David. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I want to point out a few things he said. He started out by saying he's listened to all the other chicken podcasts out there and he thinks ours is the easiest to listen to. Now, I love this line. Although they've been married for a time, Don and Susie have great chemistry and maintain a give and take through each episode that almost seems semi-scripted, but still allows for unguarded, impromptu moments that let you know all about them personally. It's not a stretch to call their interactions funny and even cute. Aww. I think I'm funny and you're cute. I'll be cute. Okay, good. (laughs) Skipping ahead a little bit, he says, Don and Susie deliver accurate, grounded information in an interesting way small flock people can understand. Honestly, after two episodes, you're going to want to have a beer or wine on the back porch with them. Hmm. I like it. So, David, anytime you're in the Tampa Bay area, feel free to stop by and I'll keep a tuker nice and chilled for you. That was a really nice review. It's going to be pretty hard for somebody to top that one, but I challenge people to try. Okay, before we get to the main feature today, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping on Amazon this week, consider going to our website first at onlinechickenschool.com and clicking the Amazon link over there. It's going to take you to the same Amazon site you know and love, and you're going to pay the exact same price for the things you buy, but Amazon is going to give us a little bit of a commission, and this would help us pay some of the podcasting bills. So if you like the show and you want to help us keep it up, just go to onlinechickenschool.com and click on the Amazon link to make all your Amazon purchases. Some of you have already done this and we really, really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you very, very much. And now for the main feature today, ever since we butchered our own chickens for the very first time, 
We've been talking quite a bit about meat birds. So today we're getting back to basics. For 99% of us, the reason we began keeping chickens in the first place is those incredible edible eggs that they provide. It reminds me of one of my favorite chicken sayings, a hen is just an egg's way to make another egg. I have never heard that before. I love that line. So in that spirit, Today, it's all about the eggs. That's right. We've had a number of messages from listeners asking about eggs, egg laying, egg hatching, egg pricing. Uh, plus, we threw in a few egg-centric topics of our own. Nice. So let's start off with a message we received from Dennis in Utah. He said, I'm a first-year chicken keeper, and I have a question about thin-shelled eggs. I have one pullet that started laying about a month ago. The first couple of eggs were okay, but then they started to get more fragile. Now, every time, the eggs crack open very easily in the nesting box before I get to them. The shells have a powdery look. I feed the girls oyster shell and layer feed. Any suggestions on what I should do to help prevent this? Well, Dennis, you have a very interesting situation there. Because thin-shelled eggs often indicate that your hen is not getting enough calcium in her diet. And eggs that have a white powdery look tend to indicate that your hen is getting too much calcium in her diet. <laughs> so my diagnosis is that you're giving her too much calcium and not enough calcium. <laughs> well, that was really helpful. <laughs> I never claimed to be a veterinarian. <laughs> Although many people say I have a bedside manner of a great doctor. A uh, great doctor like um, Dr. House? Probably. That makes <laughs> sense. So what would you recommend Dennis do? Easy. All you have to do is give the hen more calcium and less calcium. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Dennis, you mentioned that your hens just started laying a month ago, and that might just be your issue there. It's not unusual for young pullets to sometimes have issues trying to get the whole egg laying thing worked out in those first few months. You're going to see all kinds of odd eggs. Yes, this period is often where you get your double yolkers, mm. which are my favorite. Yes. Two yolks and one egg delicious. Susie likes two for the price of one. <laughs> Sometimes you'll see eggs without a shell at all, where the only thing holding it together is the membrane. So I wouldn't worry too much about it at this point, but let's talk about what makes good strong shells. A hen needs calcium, phosphorus, and vitamin D3. And most good layer feeds contain these things in proportions that a laying hen's going to need. And you mentioned that you have them on a layer feed, so they should be getting what they need. You didn't mention what brand they're on, but I would guess it's probably one of the big brand feeds, which is fine. If you really want to try something, though, you could switch them to a different brand feed just to see if maybe they respond better to another one. Mm -hmm. And if you have them on something wacky, like there's a uh, Big Bob's farm down the road and you have it on Big Bob's layer feed, yeah, maybe try something a little more conventional. Definitely. Well, normally the first thing we recommend for thin shells is adding oyster shell, but you're already doing that. Now, since vitamin D3 is a necessary component for breaking down and using the calcium, you might try adding a vitamin supplement to their drinking water and see if maybe that would help. Now, the way you worded your message, it seems like this is the first pullet to start laying. Uh, when the others start laying and get past that first month or so of possible awkward eggs, see if they're having the same problem. If so, then it sort of seems to indicate that what you have going on is an environmental issue, something that affects all of them. However, if the other pullets begin laying perfectly normal eggs and she's still laying thin shelled eggs for many months, 
then it might be that she has a defective egg gland. Well, and the unfortunate thing is you can't really do anything about that. Um, so you'll have to decide what you're going to do with her at that point. But for now, keep up with what you're doing, add some vitamins to the water and just see what happens. Okay, so while we're talking about young pullets and their first eggs, we have some great news. Yeah, we were doing our evening rounds, checking the coops, just making sure that they still had feed and water, just seeing how they were doing and uh, weren't expecting anything at all. Walked in the coop and wow, there's some eggs on the ground. And they would have been pretty easy to miss, too, because, you know, when a hen lays her first few eggs, mm -hmm. they can be very, very, very small. Yeah, this one was, that's for sure. Like a little tiny rubber ball. You <laughs> say, wait a minute. I thought these things were supposed to lay extra large eggs. What's this? <laughs> yeah, I want my money back. And the surprising part for me was the fact that we're still in very limited daylight hours. We have three coops out there with the adult chickens that have lights in them. Mm-hmm to help them lay during this low period. So we weren't expecting any eggs at all because there shouldn't be enough light for them to lay, but they're out there cranking out eggs now. They really are, and they're pretty consistent about it, so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, Don, actually, like every good chicken keeper, when you get the first eggs from your chickens, even if you've got 40 of them, took pictures. And he took a picture of the little pullet egg next to one of our Dot Rock hen eggs and... Wow, what a difference. So he's going to post that on Facebook so you guys can take a look at that. Well, I wanted people to be able to see the size of the pullet egg, but if I take a picture of it by itself, it just looks like a regular egg. You can't get an idea just how tiny this thing is. Mm -hmm. And uh, personally, I like the pullet eggs because there's just something cool about that. You know, you can have an eight egg omelet in the morning. <laughs> so now we have a few more layers out there in the yard. Nice. Okay, our next email comes from Dawn in Ohio. Dawn has four laying hens, and she's starting to find little chunks or particles in the whites of her eggs. A friend of hers swears that it's from a chick that started to grow and then died in the shell. <laughs> mm -hmm. But her hens don't have access to a rooster, so she knows that's not a possibility. She wants to know what's going on with these eggs. Well, Dawn, what you're seeing is what we generally refer to as a meat spot. And trust me, you're not the only one that has people say that means a baby chick was growing in there. We hear this all the time. Yeah, and I won't mention any names, but <laughs> we actually have someone in our family who insists that this is the case. And you can't reason with them at all. As far as they're concerned, it's a baby chick, but it's not. Now, before you feel completely relieved, uh, let me explain what those spots really technically are. Then you can decide whether to feel relieved or not. <laughs> now, this happens mostly in older chickens. And what happens is that little pieces of the lining of her oviduct break off and get swept up by the egg as it develops. So they're basically little tiny pieces of your hen. <laughs> um, hearing a lot of ew out there. Well, except for the fact that you probably can't get that mental image out of your <laughs> head right now. There's really nothing wrong with an egg that has meat spots. You can eat them just like any other egg. They're not harmful to you at all. That's right. And if you are really grossed out by the spots, just pick it out before you cook them. Take a little spoon, take some tweezers, get it out of there. Although if you have a teenage son, he'll probably <laughs> prefer to eat the ones with meat spots. I've never heard of that. Why would that be? So he can gross out his sister by saying, look, I'm eating an egg with bits of hen in it. Oh, gosh. 
That's a teenage boy thing to do. I guess so. Let's. You wouldn't know because you didn't have any brothers. That is true. And I'm very thankful for that. (laughs) I don't think you know how thankful you need to be really that you didn't grow up with brothers. Okay, let's move on to the next question. This one we received from Craig, and he says, we want to start selling eggs this spring. How do I increase the quality, taste, and appearance of my eggs? Also, the wife and I have been discussing prices for our eggs. What are your thoughts on this? Well, that's a really good question, Craig. Selling some of your excess eggs is a common and very natural thought for chicken keepers. The first part of your question is the easiest, so let's start there. How do you increase the quality, taste, and appearance of your eggs? Well, I guess the first thing you have to figure is, what are we comparing this against? I mean, if we use store-bought eggs as our benchmark, uh, your eggs are probably already far superior. No doubt. (laughs) For one thing, you can deliver your eggs to your customers when they're just a few days old. Mm -hmm. Eggs you buy in the store are typically 45 days old by the time they get to the store. Mm Mm-hmm. So your eggs are fresher, and that makes a big difference in how they taste, and makes a big difference in how they look when you crack them open into a pan or into a bowl. So right off the bat, you've got a good head start. And I would say the absolute best thing you can do is hopefully something you're doing already, which is letting your hens uh, free range, which means that they have access to grass and bugs every day, all day long. And that alone is going to make the eggs taste better. They're going to look better. There is really nothing like cracking open an egg and seeing that bright orange yolk you get from Farm Fresh Eggs. Mm -hmm. It is so much better than that ugly, nasty, pale yellow yolk you get in store eggs. And I think when your brain sees that bright orange yolk, it nudges your tongue (laughs) and says, get ready, because here comes something amazing. (laughs) I don't know. Now I'm really hungry for eggs. Mm. This episode. Mm. Make some fried eggs. And them having access to grass and bugs all day is going to make your eggs healthier. Eggs from free range hens have less cholesterol. They have more beta carotene, more omega-3 fatty acids than eggs from hens that don't have that access. But with our eggs, I had really wanted to get some more omega-3 fatty acids. Because you're omega-3 greedy? (laughs) I am. I just love the omega-3s. So I went to the local feed store and they had ground up flax seed and that's F-L-A-X flax seed. And I just sprinkle that in their food. They consume it and it gets transferred to their eggs. So those eggs from hens that eat flax seed are going to have more omega-3s. And that's pretty much all you have to do to make sure you have really attractive and good tasting eggs. Um, there are a few things you can feed to your chickens to change the taste of the eggs, but they're not in a good direction. No. You could feed them onions, but uh, your customers and you probably are not going to like the taste of those eggs. No. When they make uh, little cupcakes with your onion eggs, (laughs) (laughs) they may be returning the rest of the dozen. That's right. Now, as for the prices, that is very, very subjective. It really boils down to how good you are at finding your customer and convincing them that your eggs are superior. Mm -hmm. There are people out there who truly understand and value the difference in the quality between your eggs and the ones that they might end up with at the store. We don't actually sell eggs ourselves, but we routinely have people offer us like $5 a dozen. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. I think someone actually offered us $6 a dozen once. That's our record. Yeah. Sometimes I think if we wanted to sell eggs, Susie could make a living just selling them to the ladies at her church small group. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. They're always asking for them. 
Uh, but we also know people who actively market and sell their eggs and they claim they can't get more than $3 a dozen. And that's probably because they're not finding customers who are going to value what they're offering. Or they're not doing a good job of making people understand why their eggs are better and worth more. So here's a couple rules I would follow if we were to start selling eggs and trying to figure out where to put the price. Uh, first of all, you got to figure out what that dozen eggs cost you. Find out how much it costs to feed and house your chickens all year round, even when they're not laying as much, and how many dozen eggs you expect to get through the year. Boil that down to a per dozen price because no matter what your local market says, uh, if you can't cover your cost with that, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. What's the point of selling them if you're losing money? Well, then I would pick a number to start with that you think is fair. Let's say you want $5 a dozen. Stick to that number. I mean, people are going to come around. They're going to try and talk you down to three fifty dollars a dozen, but stick to your price. Remember that you aren't selling cheap eggs. You are selling premium quality eggs. Yeah, you can't go to the Mercedes dealership with a Chevy ad <laughs> and try and haggle prices with that information. Well, you could. But they're going to laugh you out of there. Yes, they are. In German, <laughs> which is not pretty, by the way. No. You do not want to be left out of a room in German. No, definitely not. <laughs> Remember, your eggs are not store eggs. And make sure you can explain to people why your eggs are better. You have to be an ambassador for your <laughs> eggs and tell everyone who listen why they're better, whether they want to hear it or not. And if you can't sell all your eggs at first, what we would suggest is give away a half dozen to a potential customer for nothing and let them see for themselves why your eggs are better. It won't take long. I mean, I'd rather give away a half dozen eggs for free to somebody who's going to understand after trying them how great they really are. I would rather do that than to sell them to someone who's always going to see them as bargain eggs. Right. And another thing is you're going to have to look around a little bit and find out what farm fresh eggs go for in your area. You can't just set them at whatever you want. You can't say, I want $20 a dozen. And believe me, they're <laughs> worth it, lady, because there is a limit there somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. your local market is going to sort of dictate what the ceiling is there on prices. Right. Um, and you're going to just have to poke around a little bit and find out what that is. Well, I think a lot of it, like you'd mentioned, was educating people. We know plenty of people that buy eggs from the store, but they think because they buy an egg with this label that they're getting a much better egg. They don't understand labeling. So some of these things you can educate, which really adds value to your eggs and may help them justify paying a heck of a lot more than they would in the store. Now, one last thing I would say is when you are out there, uh, embrace your marketing side. But always be honest. Don't try and stretch the truth. There's a lot of people out there who, you know, in the same way that the store doesn't technically lie, but they sort of stretch the truth a lot to fit a narrative that you want to hear in your head so you'll buy their product. A lot of farm people do the same thing. You mm -hmm. know, they start pitching the fact that, well, you know, all the eggs in the store, they all got those hormones in them. The eggs in the store don't have hormones anymore. They don't use hormones on the laying hens anymore. So... That's disingenuous. Don't scare people into paying higher prices for your eggs. Um, it might work, but it makes you a little sleazy. Yeah, nobody wants that. You want to be the car salesman of eggs. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. So, Craig, uh, I hope that works out for you. This really is a big topic. I wonder if we should do a full segment on selling your own eggs. Hmm. 
maybe a good idea. We'll uh, we'll save that for another time. Well, as always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider going to iTunes and giving us a really nice review over there, like David did. He set the bar pretty high, so do your best. <laughs> also, make sure you tell a friend and get them listening. And if you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 35. That's all for today. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.